In need of a top dog electrician? For over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract companies in the Denver community. If you call 303-646-6765, they'll give you the BSN back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations and express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. You can get on your phone right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, and order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and then go in and pick them up. And you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. With me, as always, is AJ Hayfley. For the last time, coming from Anaheim and the rookie tournament. AJ, how are you doing? Game three, not exactly the most exciting game in the world, was it? Yeah. It was not a good day. It <laughs> yeah. was not a good day at the rink. Um, relatively speaking, though. you know, Sure, anytime, sure, of course. Anytime you're going to work and you're at a hockey rink, you're having a pretty good day to start. But yeah, well, kind of a letdown of a game. Um, I mean, it wasn't from from lack of effort. It wasn't like they didn't do anything. You know, they ended up with 40 some odd shots on goal and they just couldn't score. Well, the official knocked it down to 34 shots on goal, but still outshot Arizona (laughs) pretty handily. They took it. They took it from an end game total of 44 to 34 in the official. Yes. All right. So it was a good day for everybody. AHL scoring is, it's something. It's unique. I mean, I'll always remember the game that I went to where Shvirev had four assists and they didn't give it to him. Some guy named Nate Schnarr on Arizona got an assist on a goal where Josh Anderson just passed it directly <laughs> to Valentin Newsbomber. So. Yeah, I saw that too and was like, huh. Huh. Yeah. Maybe they're giving so. him credit for giving Josh Anderson the puck. <laughs> Anders the snark at the secondary. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's but yeah. Whatever. The scoring the scoring wasn't the problem, although it clearly was a problem. Well, despite not putting any pucks in the back of the net, I will say the team did look better than game two. Oh yeah. The effort was there. Uh the the way that they played. Um, you know, Arizona is not very good and they, they still play that Dave Tippett style of yep. all five guys, put them as tightly compact in front of your own net as you can. Right. And you don't worry about, 
shots from the point. We just we're not worried about them. Those are super low percentage. We'll take our chances. Right. And turns out that's not a terrible idea when the only defenseman you really have to think about on the Az roster is Timmons. Yeah. Um, you know, Davis tried to make uh tried to make something happen too. And um, you know, I liked I liked both uh Tishke and McLeod at various points today as well. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that the defense played bad, just... No, I mean, they're not offensive threats in the slightest at all. You're right. I mean, they're... You're not... You're not if you're if you're setting up a game plan, you're not like, watch out for that Peter Tischke right. bomb. <laughs> he's, he's not loading up on the blue line against you, really. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, it was an interesting kind of day for the forwards for the third game in a row. I thought Shane Bowers was one of the Avs best forwards. That's kind of where I want to start because to be honest, he was the player of the tournament for the Avs, at least for me. That dude's good. And, and what's, what's what I found impressive is that all three games, there were different things that he did, different situations, different, you know, different zones of the ice where I thought, man, like this kid, this kid is a player. Very polished in all areas. Yeah, and I uh, I was talking to Chris Peters uh, of ESPN today, and we were we were kind of talking about timelines on some of these guys. And, you know, he has kind of a longer view on Bowers where he says, you know, maybe two years in the AHL. Um, but that would be, that that's assuming that the Avs just don't want to promote anybody. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think it should take two years in the AHL. I don't. You know, two years in college already kind of got him pretty well prepped for a lot of this. Yep. Um, I am of the opinion that, uh, kind of like with Timmins, um, and kind of like with Cout, you know, Bowers is a guy that should fight for uh, NHL time this year. Now, I want to see him at camp. I want to see how he does against those guys and and see how quickly that polish comes off when he's out there against the big boys, you know? Yeah. The next level of players, even, even, even out there against AHL regulars. Yeah, of course. You know, I want to see how he looks compared to those guys, but this Coyotes team was not a team without talent. There's a lot of, uh, a a lot of decent draft picks on that squad today. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him go head to head against Hayton, but that's fine. No such luck today. Honestly, he won all of his head-to-head matchups in all three games. He did. He, he, you know, defensively, I think the way that he digs pucks. Yeah. Is, it's something that Colorado needs. It's something that their forward core does not do just collectively very well. Exactly. The the defensive support for your defenders down there. A lot of the time the Avs just kind of say you're on your own. Good luck. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't even it wasn't even the defensive zone. I was watching him on offense. He just works so hard. Yep. And and he's so relentless with the way he gets after the puck. And you know, his his stick is always in the lane. It's always tipping something. You know, he's, he is a small touch of skill away from being Ryan O'Reilly level of good. Right. 
we saw that in the game today. He received a fantastic pass from Martin Kaut and had tons of time net front. Played it mm-hmm. extremely well. Very patient with the puck. Waited for a spot to open up in the corner for Tendek to go down. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't quite finish. Yeah, and and had a one timer today as well. Yeah, that led uh, the team that he with five on net. And you know he's he is a guy that, and this is no knock to Nick Henry and, and Martin Cowd of all, but he is a dude where I really, really do wonder what if you put this guy next to a couple of really explosively talented wings. Yeah, you know, like what if you put him next to Amico Rantanen? Or a Gabe Landeskog, and just just to well, just to see, you know, like just to see how would he still play the way that he does, or would he be deferential? Right, you know, even not even maybe that high of level, but maybe even guys like Burakovsky or Donskoy. Yeah, you know, what does he look like next to guys with those kinds of skill levels, uh, and and are already experienced in the NHL? I don't want to say polished or finished products because Colorado was banking on that not being the case (laughs) but I do I do kind of wonder what if you put him next to some really good NHL talent what happens you know because I like both Cow and Henry a lot uh, but Bowers was was at the center of everything all three days his line was Colorado's best forward line all three days uh, and I agree with you. He was the Avs MVP. Just won all of his head-to-head matchups. And, and you know, it's not to say he was perfect. There were some defensive lapses. Uh, his work on the penalty kill wasn't very good. As I mean, that, that was team-wide. Um, you know, offensively, he's got to finish. They, they went 0 for 11 on the power play in the last two games. Yeah. And he was on the top unit in both of those games. You got to do something more than that. And... You know, a lot of those, they weren't even that dangerous. Yeah, it's... The thing is, I did feel like when Bowers was getting involved on the power play was when it was the most dangerous. I would agree. But there was just way too much downtime even when he was was involved in the play. Very, very casual approach. Yeah. Uh, And just just to touch on that... it was weird to me that Nick Henry just did not want to load it up and, and shoot away. Yeah, he had like, a couple of opportunities. That's who you are, one. man. Just go out there and shoot. Like, why are you trying to be something that you're not? It's not that it's not that he's not a playmaker and that he can't pass the puck. It's that that dude has an NHL caliber shot. Use it. What you doing? Right. And, and for me, I think that's why Bowers stood out. Cout and Henry may well be more talented players, but Bowers was the consistent one. He went out and did all the things and consistently did them at a high enough level to where you said, okay, I can expect something regularly out of him. I thought both Bowers and Cout today, shift to shift, were I thought their levels were really impressive. Yeah. They were they they stayed true to, to what they do. I really liked Cout's game today. By the way, I I was a big fan of what he did, and I I would like to see a little more aggression. But he really just finds a way to kind of just bring everyone together on his line. Yeah, that's 
kind of what I've been hoping to see from him and hope to continue to see from him in the AHL because that was something that we did not see that much of last year. Yeah, he's kind of a he. He kind of reminds me of uh, you know when you're watching college basketball and you watch the the tournament every year. Yep. And every like every like upstart program, you know, like the not not the powerhouses, but and not like the Cinderella teams, but kind of like the teams in the middle, like the three or four seed, those really really good teams, and they've always got like that one guy. That's just that kind of ties all of it together. He puts the bow on it. He's not the most skilled guy, but he's one of the most versatile and he does a little bit of everything. He gets involved, you know, he's flopping around, taking charges and he's making the extra pass and he's grabbing rebounds and he can he can run the offense if he needs to. You know, like that guy that just does a little of everything, that glue guy. And that's really what Martin Kaut feels like to me. He feels like he feels like the adhesive that brings the, his right. line mates together that make them all stick. Not always the most noticeable, but the game plan falls apart without him. Well, and we saw with Bowers and Henry uh, with Burzine next to him. Yep. An adjustment. We're not quite on the same page. And I thought Bowers stood out a lot more individually uh, when Kelt was not there. And then Kelt got there. And I thought that that line was just dominant in both of the games that stuck together. That was by far the strongest line, not even close, as it should be, given that there's two first round picks <laughs> yeah. on it. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, even they're not even like high first round picks, but you could you can even imagine a world where fast forward a year and you've got Alex Newhook on the left side of that thing. I'm just saying it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how that line kind of shakes out once they get into the AHL and, and start playing every day in the AHL season type thing. But that's a good place to stop segment one here. So we'll go ahead and jump towards segment two, where I'm sure we'll talk about Connor Timmons a little bit more, as well as more of the abs prospects. But first, Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. They will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that most buyers desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractor's to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houseless preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, we've kind of covered the first line. I did want to talk about Sasha Mutala as well. I thought he was much, much better today. He was actually my third star for my three stars video. I, I think he was a lot closer to reality of what you can expect out of him. You know, I uh, I put him in my... Uh, losers category on my winners and losers piece. Um, I did say though that today he was off to a much better start, but 
I really did not like that penalty he took. Yeah, it was not a great penalty. You've got to be in control of what you're doing. I think he was just frustrated. And seriously, he looked like he was trying to rope cattle with that thing. And he swung it around over. He swung his stick around over his head and caught caught a guy up high. And I'm like, man, that's just that's dangerous, let alone dumb to do to your own team. It's dangerous to get involved with a stick like that. You know, it's a good thing all these guys wear visors now because it was just it was dangerous and it was stupid. And it just sort of continued the the up and down that we saw from him over the weekend where. It felt like every good thing he did was met with three bad things. And I do think he played much better today. But that penalty is the kind of thing that just frustrates you, where it's like, even when you play well, there's this big red mark here. Yeah. You know, I don't worry too much about the penalty. Yes, dangerous, bad, needs to stop. Not a hard fix. (laughs) Really, really easy thing to fix. So I'm not too concerned about that one. You kind of knocked him down in your piece for the the empty net goal as well. I didn't fault him as much for that. I put that on Tishke at least as much, if not more. I mean, that's really that's on that's on both. And I I made sure I I tried to ding Tishke for it too, just because I don't sure. I don't know whose fault that is. That looks to me that looks like both dudes just did something dumb at like the worst possible moment. And it sucks. Both of their goals today were freebies like that. Yeah, just total giveaways directly in front of the net. They played a solid defensive game, and they got undone by two free goals. Yep, straight up. It's it's a bit of a shame, too, because I thought Werner played pretty darn well. Maybe would like that first goal back, but given the turnover, you get a little bit of a pass, and he stopped everything else he faced. Uh, Yeah, I thought Werner was really, really good. Um, had the benefit of two posts, one of them early on. Uh, and then, uh, honestly, that the, the first goal against might have been the first shot that they had. Um, uh, they only had like four shots in the whole first period. Yeah, they, so. it, I, I don't think that they had a shot on goal before the goal. Uh, and so that was kind of a, and he got, he got beat cleanly on like the first shift of yeah. the game. Uh, and, but, but the post bailed him out on that one. But after that, you know, there was another post later in the game, but it would, you know, he I think he had that covered had it been on net. And I thought he played really well. I thought he tracked really well. I thought he was really calm in net. Uh, he he presented that that big old body. You know, he was there. He was aggressive with it. I I liked I really did like how he played today. Uh, I was quite impressed with, uh, you know, not only the way that he kind of stays in it, because, you know, a goalie can get bored when he spends seven minutes in a row watching his guys, you know, just fail to score, <laughs> just bombard the other guy with pucks. And, you know, because the Arizona was under siege for long stretches of this game. And I thought Werner did a good job that the puck would come back his way. And he was he was always ready for it. He was mentally into it. Uh, very, very, very different guy than. Uh, the prospect that I last saw in person uh, a couple years ago. I'm I was very encouraged by his performance today. I, I agree with you on the the calmness than the comfortableness, particularly with a, a goaltender coming over to the smaller ice. The angles are a bit different, mm-hmm. and he would slot into his angle and and just hold it and not double think anything. He was on top of it. Yeah, I uh, very very quick, very decisive. 
was definitely uh, was definitely a fan. Uh, a solid performance uh, paves the way for him getting a, a preseason game all to himself. Give him the game, get to know what he is. Maybe you find out it's not the worst thing in the world if he's your third goalie. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll move on before you jump into that tirade. No, I just, you know, yeah. I, I don't have anything left to say on it. I think it's yeah, irresponsible yeah. and the abs are going to do it. And hey, we'll we'll see, man. I, I would love if they treated the other prospects this way. Yeah, for sure. You know, Francis plays well, he gets a promotion. Uh, Warner plays well, he gets an opportunity in the AHL. Like, this is how it should work. Exactly. This is the system at work. I just don't know why it's only for goaltenders. <laughs> how, well, one of the, the players you're hoping the system works like that for, at least according to your hot take, is Connor Timmins. Yeah. Did play in this game. I thought he was solid. He did tried to do some things offensively, had a couple of nice flashes, but kind of the same story as Byram in his own individual game. Definitely <laughs> knocked down a peg than, than when the two played together. Yeah, which to to be honest with you, like I'm not even kidding when I say this, but uh, going into training camp on Friday, they should be a pairing. Yeah, why wouldn't you? They should. They've played together. They're probably going to play play together next year in the NHL. Like, let's let's just drop the pretense here. Let's stop being cute. Uh, put the vets with the vets. Make the pairings so that they make sense. You know. Barbario and, and Connaughton can play together and, and Rosen and Graves can play together and Byram and Timmons can play together and let the best man win. Let the best, hell, let the best pairing win. You know what your top four is on opening night? Let the, let those guys put all those guys together. Whichever pairing comes out as the, as the top pairing in preseason. That's the one that you play. That's the one you play on opening night. And the second and the second best one is the one that the, those two guys are healthy scratches. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's simple. And third place goes to the AHL. Like, come on. Yeah. Let's. This doesn't need to be. This does not need to be overly cute. And it doesn't need to be overly complicated. Just put these two kids together, and if your future wins and it becomes your present, then hey. It's a it's a present for you know it's a present for a present, so I'm I I just think let them stick together, man. They they brought out the best in each other when they played together, you know. Like you said, both of them were more pedestrian on their own. All right, great. <laughs> They're great together. Play them together. Um, I did I did like Timmins. I do think he he was again very very smart reads especially in the offensive zone jumping into the play you know finding open ice because of the way that Arizona was collapsing uh Timmons was constantly jumping down the the boards to try and get involved and get open yep and you know not necessarily the talented kind of guys that he's uh, he will be playing with uh hell even in the AHL uh, a lot of these a lot of these defensemen won't uh you know, I think most of these defensemen are ticketed for the Grizzlies. Um, you know, Tishke, LaRock, and uh, and Davis, I think, are all Grizzlies to be. Pretty much. Just by a numbers game, really. Yeah. Yeah, straight up. And I'm, um, you know, I think I think Timmons 
overall, it was, it was a solid game. I didn't have any major gripes with him. Uh, I don't, I don't remember any like major gaff. I don't remember like a big turnover or anything like that. So, uh, but I also, there wasn't anything like special. There wasn't anything. Wow. But that's not who he is. Yeah. So, you know, it was just, it was just solid, solid in both ends. I, I like the decision making more than the execution. And I think that the, the execution is more of a timing issue when you haven't played competitive hockey in 15 months, then that's one of those things that happens. You know, that's what's one of the areas of your game where it kind of falls off is the timing of it. And he's two games back, you know, you don't expect it to be full bore. Um, but I do think a couple of preseason games, put him next to Byron, put him against a couple of NHLers. Let's see how they do. Right. It's when you get, one of those older players or one of those extremely talented players in Byram's case, even with Timmons who hasn't played in such a long time at a certain point against these younger, lower level of competition, there's only so much that you can see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we've talked about it. Like these are, these are kind of like CHL all-star teams to some extent, you know, you get, you get really high scoring guys from the CA from all of this, all of over the CHL going up against each other and then high draft picks, high European picks, things like that, you know? So it's not like there's a, a lack of talent at these camps, you know, it's, it's just that the translatable NHL caliber guys, there's only a, there's only a couple of them at these things. And I think Colorado might've been hoarding them. <laughs> yeah. They only put them all out together for game one and, we saw how well that went. So, yeah. And, you know, I don't take too much into the, into the fact that they, they lost the last two games, the LA no. game. I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all. And they, I mean, and they thoroughly outplayed Arizona today and they just couldn't beat the goalie, which is a problem in and of itself. Absolutely. Uh, those guys, you know, certainly not a new problem for the Eagles, something they struggled with a lot last year. You do want to see them finish because, you know, as much as David Tendek was a draft pick himself, you know, he's not so special. Yeah. He's not competing for an NHL job this year or anything crazy. I really wanted Byram to score against him and they wouldn't put him in. Yep. Little giant on giant action. <laughs> Knows all his weak spots. That's, that's right. You mentioned McLeod. You mentioned Tishke as some, some guys kind of down the lineup that, that did seem to have stronger games. I, I think McLeod of the the invites because Tishke was an AHL contract was probably the the guy who stood out the most for me. Yeah, I liked his game, man. It's it's simple, but it's effective and no no like major major defensive blunders, no big whoopsies in the decision making. It was it was it was solid. I would take I would swap his and uh, Josh Anderson's contract status in a heartbeat. Yeah. Basically, he he was never afraid to have the puck on his stick and skate. And, and as you said, the decision making to, to get the puck into safety at worst always seemed to come through. Yeah, there's value in a guy who understands that chipping it and not just icing it is OK. Right. You don't have to slam the puck down the ice every time. <laughs> yeah, you can get a chip and a change and you rely on you're saying, OK, hey, I'm trusting my teammates to not be stupid about this. Whereas we saw, you know, the, how do you, it's, it's hard because like Anderson did have a couple of icings, yep. but 
it wasn't like he was just firing pucks down to the other end for the sake of it. Uh, I think he was trying to make plays, and I think he saw something there. Just couldn't connect. Yeah. Yeah, but when the execution is that poor, how much credit do you give him? You know? Right. It's it's tough. And and again, I repeat, I'll, I've said on all of these shows, I don't want to spend a lot of time being overly negative on a guy. I don't want to really come down on him. Uh, but I really did struggle with Anderson. And again, you know, trying to fight his way into a job, I guess, um, showing the toughness and showing that he'll, he'll throw down for his teammates. I just, you know, um, I don't know what kind of value there is at that at a prospect tournament that you're going to chuck him like that. Like, I just, what are you doing, man? Like, really, what are you doing? I mean, for what it's worth, he definitely won the fight. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Once he got once he got a good strong grip and he just started throwing haymakers. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, all right, all right. Like you got him. <laughs> at the at the same time, you you get yourself kicked out of one of three games that you played and you know, you had two fights in the same game and and I you know for I just to be fair, Arizona was playing pretty chippy, particularly yeah. at the end of that third period. It was it was very, very borderline. There's no doubt, but it's not like Colorado was a bunch of good guys out there, you know, just, just minding their own. You know, there were there were a lot of scrums, there were a lot of words said. You know, Josh Dickinson certainly got into it a couple of different times and then Poor guy had to defend himself against both the uh, the oncoming punches and the net. Yeah, knocked the net over. Made a really weird, like, loud pinging noise when that bar came crashing down to the ice. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was really, really bizarre. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard that noise before. Didn't come through on video, so. <clears throat> yeah, well, it came through pretty clearly in the arena because it, <laughs> it was pretty empty. Yeah, I looked empty. Yeah. So nobody in Anaheim cares about Arizona or Colorado. Yeah, no doubt. Pretty much everybody had left. Uh, you know, people have, have jobs. Can't be, can't, you know, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Like, eh, I'm good. Right. Yeah, definitely not a not a popular game to go to. But we can go ahead and wrap up the second segment there. I do think there's a little bit more to talk about with this game, but we'll also kind of take a turn and and look at some of going forward, what we can expect out of a few of these guys in training camp. But first it's time to acknowledge the official beer of BSN Denver. That being of course, Breckenridge brewery. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. I'm sure you've heard of their vanilla Porter, their oatmeal stouts, their agave wheat is quickly becoming one of my favorites. I've mentioned it on here before, but I'm always a big fan of, of wheat beers, and I really do think they do a great job with theirs. And of course, they also have the Strawberry Sky, which is that lighthearted Kolsch ale or that light summer beer that you've been looking for in these last few weeks of summer. Might want to get on that while you still can. You can look for it at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer there for that matter. And also keep an eye out for the bsndenver.com event calendar sponsored by Breckenridge. We have all of our events planned on there. We'll be drinking Breck beers at those events. So RSVP and come have a good time with us. 
third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ here. We've talked about that big top line. We've talked about Timmons and Byram. I kind of want to get into expectations of some of these other guys. Henry, I guess we can start with, even though he is part of that top line. I think he squarely falls into to third place overall. There aren't really any expectations of him making the NHL this season or anything like that. So what does a good camp look like for someone like him? Be who you are. Yep. Like fire pucks. You are you are a shooter who likes to lay the wood and uh, you know gets after it on the forecheck aggressively and can make plays with the puck. But seriously, shoot it, dude. Shoot. <laughs> yep. Listen to the guy in three fifty two and just shoot. <laughs> fire it in. Yeah, I mean that's that's if he's going to cash NHL checks. That's where he makes that money. It is. It's it's going to be a bottom six guy. I, I wrote the other day that he is setting himself up to be a perfect Matt Nieto replacement. You know, Nieto's right. got one year left on his deal. If Henry can get some PK time and work on that part of his game a little bit uh, and, and start to really understand that defensively, that's where he's going to make his NHL money is as a good defender who has a really good shot. It's not going to be a top six guy. It's not going to be as a big point producer, but there's nothing that says that guy can't be a 10 to 15 goal scorer every year in the NHL in the bottom. As a six third line winger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I definitely do think would love to see him lean into that physical side of his play a little bit more, especially because that's where you can make a lot of money working off of, as you said with Shane Bowers, if you can help dig out pucks, especially on the defensive side, to to yeah. get pucks up to your defensemen, that's really really valuable. Yeah, he's he is an interesting prospect because I think he's one of I have him right there with uh, Kovalenko. Yeah, where behind the big guns, you know, behind all the higher end guys but a realistic guy that could be a really effective NHL player for you. And already has like an actual NHL skill with that shot. Skilled enough to have NHL ability, also capable of playing a game that can get you to the NHL in the bottom six. Exactly. Not a guy who's top six or bust. And that's what makes him a valuable prospect because you know, you look at a guy like Tyler Weiss and you're like, all right, well, hey, it's it's kind of the lottery ticket thing with him. You know, if you either he, put it all together or, or it doesn't matter. Exactly. It's going to have to be an explosive, you know, Tyler Weiss either becomes like a little Johnny Gaudreau clone or it's a pick that we look back and we're like, oh, remember that kid that was 150 pounds? <laughs> you know, so but with Nick with Nick Henry, it doesn't have to be that way. He's he's one of those guys that can find uh, a job as a as a bottom six dude. It's all about taking the next steps in his game of getting to the NHL, whether that's mm-hmm. extremely accelerating the offensive production or rounding out the defense or both. He has to be taking forward progress steps. Yeah, you'd like to see him be a 20-goal guy in the AHL. Yeah, for sure. No, he, he really should be with the shot that he has. Uh, it's just, you know, the veterans around. What kind of is he going to get? What kind of roles is he going to get? 
all things to be determined, but it it's encouraging that Cronin even talked about it the other day where he said, you know, that hey, anybody that knows Nick Henry knows a kid can shoot. Now, the next person who needs to figure that out, I think, is Nick Henry. Just just based on the fact that he tried, I think he was trying to get a little too cute and trying to show off the playmaking a little too much uh, in this in this tournament, especially on the power play. Just shoot, man. Like, they're setting you up. They put you on the wing. They're asking you to shoot. You did it in game one, and you ripped a hole in that guy's gear because he couldn't, you couldn't handle your shot. You know, shoot or shoot. Be who you are. If Henry stays true to himself and he just says, all right, it's not it's not that I can't do this. It's not that I can't do that. It's just that this is my bread and butter. They're setting me up for it. All right, I'm going to just let her rip. Just shoot it, man. I'm with you on having him shoot the puck. I do wonder, as much as I'd love to see the, the line here stay together, the reality is it's probably not going to for various reasons. Maybe it gets united because of AJ Greer, right? AJ Greer or Magna or, or Tynan or whoever they end up putting wherever in their top six. Yeah. Eric Condra. There are negatives to that, but there are also some positives. You could put Nick Henry in a situation where he is set up to just fire pucks all year long in the AHL. If yeah. you wanted to. Yeah, man. If you want to do that, put him put him next to TJ Tynan and Martin Cout and just let him feed I mean, him. Even, even if you wanted to bump him down, you wouldn't like to see him on the third line, but it, it's something that I wouldn't be surprised to see happen. But if you want to put him next to Igor and have Igor feeding him pucks, that's fine. Same kind of concept. Yeah, 100%. And I, I mean, for Igor to be the 3C, I'd be okay with that too. Give him a little bit of a bump and a job. Also, if Nick Henry is going to play the third line, the upside in that, you know, it's not as many minutes as you'd like, but the upside is that he's playing a translatable role. He's I mean, he's he's doing in the AHL what he's going to be asked to do in the NHL, so that when he gets there, it's not he's not experiencing the kind of culture shock that a guy like AJ Greer is, where he's going from the top line where he's getting all the puck touches that he needs all the time to playing ten shifts and maybe never touching the puck and not knowing how to be effective that way. It's good to get some experience role-wise as well. Ultimately, you are going to need minutes to develop, but you have to understand the situation you're stepping into. Definitely. Um, you know, the Bocage, kind of the same thing as Henry for me in this tournament over the weekend. Um, really took a shine to him, man. I really did like what he brought to the table. Yeah. I, Especially when he just dropped everything and said, when I get the puck, I'm just going to shoot it. <laughs> those were the plays that really stood out to me is he understands to use that shot and he's very young. He'll go back to the queue and I would just love to see him put up 30 or 40. Uh, yeah. With that kind of shot in the queue, um, you know, the next two years, a uh, hundred goals over the next two years. Yeah, sure. That would be the ideal target. If, if he hits that, yeah. then easy. I mean, contract. straight you're talking you're talking about trying to get an NHL player out of him. Uh this is that's what he need that's what that's his calling card. Um plenty of other areas of his game for him to work on. Lots of I really did like lots of aspects of his game ultimately, but at the end of the day you like him because he could shoot. So you know, that's what he needs to do in the queue. Again, with him, like with Henry, just be who you are, you know, to 
you got you got drafted because you were a certain player. Now round out your game, but continue to be true to who you are, and you'll you'll make the next you'll make the leap. You know, a Bocage, give me a hundred goals over the next two years. Give me eighty goals over the next two years. If if a hundred yeah, sounds think- unreasonable. Might give be me, a little more 80. realistic, but I mean, if you're going to be in the NHL, man, you got to be. If you're going to be in the NHL and you're going to be a scorer, you got to, you know, look at what DeBrincat did. He, all he did at every level was just pour in goals. You know, if you're going to have an NHL shot and you're going to be an NHL goal scorer, you know, you can't be you can't be talking yourself into oh well, twenty five goal season in the queue, I guess is okay. No, no. He's not a good enough all-around player. It's got to happen on the back of the goal scoring. Develop the all-around game, but you got to score. You got to drop 40. Just the reality wanna, of the situation, yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. When you're, you know, when you get drafted in the first round, it's either because you've got an elite skill or a group or an elite skill set or a guy like Bowers where you're really good at a lot of different stuff. Yeah. You know, when you're drafted in the third round, it's because you've got a big hole in your game somewhere. But you've got NHL tools somewhere in your whole package. And with him, it it's it's the shot, it's the hands. It's yep. both of them. For me, I think they're both NHL caliber today. But it's the rest of the game. He needs a ton of work. He's got a ton of skating work to, that he needs to develop. Uh he's got a lot of a lot of work in the defensive in, in the defensive zone where I think the mind is sharp. I think he pays attention. Uh, you know, I think I think he's actively looking to to contribute in that end, and the 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 desire is often the big thing for these guys to get over as young players. So I'm I'm very encouraged. I'm walking out of this feeling much higher on Alex Bocage than I was walking in. And the skating and the defensive side kind of go hand in hand there, right? If you're out of position and you have bad skating, those things are going to compound, and you're just going to get burned. Yeah. So- if you can improve that skating, you can get away with a little bit more. If you can improve the intelligence, you can get away with the weak skating a little bit more. If you can bring both up, all of a sudden things will start to click. Yeah, and we saw the skating had adverse effects at, at different areas of his game because he would get in on the forecheck uh, and try and prevent a breakout, and he either would go too hard and it would take him out and it was a five-on-four uh, yeah. on the other direction because he just it was too difficult for him to get back involved. And then he would, he okay, I went too hard last time. And then the next time he would make it too easy for him and they would have a free breakout because he was worried about him being out of the play because the skating was holding him back. So it's really, you know, he's got a, you're, you're definitely right in that they, they go hand in hand and that he has to, he has to round out that part of his game in order to be a more complete player, which he's going to have to be. I mean, he's, the shot isn't that special. No one makes it to the NHL without at least some semblance of a complete game. Except Patrick Line. Well, unless you are, are Hong one Hong. of the top five best in the league at a certain <laughs> skill. <laughs> yeah. You don't make it to the NHL without at least a certain floor for your all-around game. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be... You've got to have some awareness. You've got to be competent. You have to, and you have to be cognizant of what's going on around you. Yep. And that's not to say Bocage isn't anything like that. I'm just, you know, he's got to pick that. He's got to pick that up. Uh, but a- after watching him the last several days, 
um, that's a guy that I'm feeling much better about as as a third as rounder a, as a prospect moving forward as a guy with NHL yeah. upside. Well, welcome to the boat. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, okay, we can we can close things up here. Just kind of final thoughts, as always with these rookie tournaments. Take everything with a grain of salt. Nothing means that much at these things, but yeah. Yeah, on the whole, Shane Bauer super solid could completely disappear on Thursday on Friday when camp opens. Right? Yeah, might be a whole different world when it's okay, Shane. Your job is to defend Nathan McKinnon now. Yeah, I mean, your job is to handle JT Comper. Good luck. Like, sure. That's you want to know. Like the, it's always interesting to me uh, when you spend a, a week watching these guys, right? And then you yep. get out there and then you watch the depth guys in the NHL and you're just like, <laughs> there's an ocean between some of these yeah. players still. Like, yeah. Like you're, you know, like today I'm like, oh, you know, I, I kind of like that Peter Tischke kid, a little frisky. And then I'll, I'll see him on, on Friday at camp and I'll be like, oh yeah, right, 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 right. And Matt Nieto nut- nutmegs him and goes top shelf. And you're right. like, like, like he, you know, <laughs> somebody's going to toe drag him and, and make him look bad and he's going to be flailing around like he hit the poke check button on the controller and didn't mean to and <laughs> you're flailing around on the ice and you know that guy goes flying by him and you're just like well all right tj tynan just embarrassed him so good to re- good good reminder there turns out guys who have been pros for a while are pretty good at hockey man it's it's always startling after a week watching these kids that first day of camp that first group 8 a.m on friday morning i'm gonna be like holy smokes these guys can play everyone's so good yeah i'm gonna be like wow these guys are all gonna be in the nhl someday All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this Tuesday episode. Wednesday, the abs have off. And then, AJ, you are are there on Thursday for Media Day, correct? I will be there, yeah, with our our newest team member. Yeah. Who will be announced tomorrow. So you'll have to wait on the edge of your seat for that announcement. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, think we actually have something pretty cool worked up for that announcement. All right. Well, there you go. New member to look forward to. And then after that, it's it's all abs all the time. From media day to training camp to preseason, regular season will be here before you know it. So as always, thank you for listening and you will hear from us tomorrow. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting 
with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.